What is going on, Panthers Nation? Carolina Dad here, your host of the Two Growls, One Roar podcast. Here we are, week eight matchup, the matchup that when this season started, this was a key matchup, a matchup that we were longing for. Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud as the Houston Texans come into Bank of America Stadium. We've got the Ring of Honor with Musin Muhammad, with Julius Peppers being inducted. We thought this game on paper was going to be a lot more balanced than what it is coming into this, coming into here now with, you know, the Panthers being 0-6, the Texans being 3-3. I think everyone, well, I should say at least Panthers fans and me specifically would have thought the Panthers would have been the team that was 3-3. The Texans would have been the team that may have had one one win, two wins, zero, no. Who could have predicted this? We all know the headline coming into this game. Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. It's the game that everyone's waiting for. It's a big matchup. It's a big matchup for the NFL. I bet the NFL would have loved to have this be a competitive game, and maybe it's a game that could have got flexed. Oh, well, it is what it is. This is the state of the team. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Now, before we jump in, start talking about predictions, who's going to win, we had a few updates today for the for the Panthers and the roster that will impact the state of the team. Now, I'm recording this a little bit earlier than I normally do, so hey, as I take a second to, to get into this, welcome Houston Texans fans. So as, as I've seen as I record these, usually the opposing team likes to join in, so welcome, glad to have you here. Hopefully, CJ's your your guy and things are going well for you. Feel free to leave a comment, prediction, all that. Chime in. Let me know how things go and what you're thinking about heading into this game. Also, shout out to the United Kingdom and Germany who are slowly creeping up as far as percentage of listens that I get through the podcast. 3% of all my listens now come from the United Kingdom. Germany at 1%. Can you believe that? <laughs> if you would have sat here, if I would have sat here however many months ago and said, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to have a bunch of people tuning in internationally. I think it shows just the growth of the game, but also the growth of the Panthers globally that I've got people across the world tuning into this, which is amazing. And I don't care if it's 100 people that listen to the show. It's freaking cool for me, man. Hey, if y'all ever want to be on the show as a shout out, you know, reach out. Anyways, let's jump in. We got a few significant updates on the Panthers. Three players, three, two out of three of these key players placed on injured reserve today. Jeremy Chin battling the quadriceps injury. We knew about this. I talked about it in a few episodes during the bye week that Chin was injured. We know Chin was on the trading block, likely to be dealt. Didn't happen. Not going to happen now that he's injured. At least I don't think it will, unless there's a team that's just desperate. The team that was interested, the Eagles, moved on. So there you go. Etor Gross Matos, who was having a breakout year, we went back and I went back and, and showed the video on Twitter of him in training camp where he's been listening to people and the negativity. And he's coming out and having one of the best seasons that to date, you know, it's a contract year. He's hurt. Hamstring injury. He's going to be out for four weeks. All these guys are. Giovanni Richie who's battling a shoulder injury. One big piece to our identity and the offensive line in a positive direction is Austin Corbett has been activated from the physically unable to perform list. 
This does not mean that he's going to play. That's still a decision, as he said, that's going to be up to the coaching staff if he actually plays. What this means is he's going to be on the 53-man roster. We don't know if he's going to be activated to actually play. Again, he could be sitting out. I would love to have him out there. My expectations for him being out there are a little bit lower because he hasn't played You know, nine-plus months. He's getting back into football shape. He's been spending that time over the last few weeks to get there. Now, a few other, as, as we make some of these additions, we also went out and acquired a few other positions. So one, we agreed to terms with offensive lineman Brett Toth from the Philadelphia Eagles. He was on their practice squad. And then outside linebacker Luigi Villain from the Minnesota Vikings, who was on their, um, excuse me, yeah, from the Vikings practice squad. So they are now on the 53-man roster Tolth is a Charleston, South Carolina native, graduated from the U.S. Military Academy and has been with the Eagles the past four seasons. We saw Villain actually get some playing time just this past night, last night, I guess Monday Night Football, against the 49ers in in a game that uh, they won. The Minnesota Vikings end up pulling that upset. I joked about it on Twitter today that I cannot imagine, I know these guys are fighting and it's just a joke, but I can't imagine your agent calling you up and saying, hey man, yeah, you, you've been promoted or you've been signed, uh, traded away, and it's to the Carolina Panthers, the worst team in the league. Like, Can you just imagine that's the call you get? I know these guys are fighting for spots and happy to, to be able to make the, you know, be able to make it to the big stage of the NFL. I just kid, I kid with that. A few names because I'm recording this early, as we talk about some of the injuries that are lingering. So J.C. Horn, Von Bell, Xavier Woods, those are kind of the bigger names. Miles Sanders, we won't know until we get into the week. So if you're listening to this early or later, you're going to know more than me as far as like who's going to actually be available. And I may do like a drive home podcast. Again, those are the podcasts I've been recording in the car. So I may do one of those as I get you know, updates, but here we are roster in place. So there's some positive, some negative, either way, we're an 0 and six football team going up against a three and three football team that is competing in their division. Like I've said a few times where, Hey, I thought for sure this was going to be where the Panthers sat. Now we talk about comparison in the games and we're going to get into the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud discussion here. And we'll also talk more about the game overall. On paper, between both of these teams, we know, at least the Panthers fans know how bad our defense is and and just the team in general, giving up 31 points per game, 31st in the league. Houston is averaging about 22 points per game, which is 14th. On the flip side, we're scoring about 18 points per game, and they're giving up about 18.8 per game, which is 8th in the league Kind of get into a little bit of an imbalance when you talk about the defensive side of the ball, though, uh, at least for the Houston Texans. So on average, they're giving up about 354 yards. So they have the number eight scoring defense, but in yardage, they're ranked 25th. So there is some flexibility there and maybe a chance for the Panthers to, you know, do we actually get the running game going with Chuba Hubbard? who I still believe should be the number one back. I don't care that he was paid what he was paid. We either need to get a really good rotation or you need to let Chuba get the ball. So 
On the flip side of that, we are giving up 342 yards per game, and their offense is putting up about 347 yards. We know also that the Houston Texans are not really turning the ball over. C.J. Stroud did not have his first interception until this past, not this past week, but the previous game before the bye against the New Orleans Saints. Speaking of which, the Houston Texans just beat the New Orleans Saints. We'll talk a little bit about that game in a second because that was the last game leading into this team that we know, the Carolina Panthers, unfortunately, were not able to beat. So let's talk about some of the efficiencies between the two Now, I went into a lot of details around stats and numbers in the bi-week podcast episodes. I don't want to do too much of that today because I really want to focus on the game. (laughs) But when you kind of look at a few of these, you're like, oh, man. So average scoring margin. So the Houston, you know, having a winning record, they're about plus 3.7 or they are plus 3.7. We are negative 12.3, so we are being outscored by almost two touchdowns. I don't think that's rocket science that you know anyone would know that or wouldn't know that. Talked about the points per game with the 22 for them, 18 for us. And then again, you know, we're giving up 31 points per game. You can't do that. And then we talked about what they're um, giving up, which is 18. First down and you know yardage they've got or first downs we've got, we're actually getting more first downs than them whoop de doo, and then yards per game like I said they're averaging almost a little over fifty more yards per game than we are we're actually giving up just a few more yards or, or or less yardage than they are on the defensive side of the ball when we look at the two offenses when we talk about rushing. Carolina Panthers have been a pass-heavy offense. Part of that due to the not the Houston game. Here I go, the Seattle game earlier in the year where there was that big imbalance with almost you know 50 plus pass attempts. So we're right now around 63 to 64 percent pass, 35 to 36 percent run. This is Thomas Brown's game. So there, there's just so many storylines coming into this, but this is Thomas Brown's opportunity to. Show us what you got. Now, is he going to come out, you know, day one, first game, calling plays and just revolutionize what we have? I don't think so. We still have the same core players that are here. And if you're just tuning in as a Houston fan, those core players are not that great. Adam Thielen has performed well above what anyone could have ever expected for him, you know, given his age and he is our number one receiver right now in yardage, and he's one of the top receivers in the league. Everyone else is forgotten at this moment, whether it's you know Shark, who we anticipated more out of, Terrace Marshall Jr., who's seeking a trade, the team itself, and, and Jonathan Mingo, the rookie. It's like things haven't panned out. Tight end-wise, we can't hit with Hayden Hurst, Ian Thomas, Tommy Trimble. It's just not a lot of production. Houston is a little more balanced, 42% run to 57% pass. So again, much more balanced, or at least closer to being balanced than we are. And then yards per play, they're, they've got a speed in that category. They got about 5.3 yards per play. One upside we have on them is yards per rush. So I'd love to see us lean on the running game a little bit more. 
4.0 yards per carry for them, 3.2 for us, and then yards per pass. Getting into the C.J. Bryce discussion, Houston leads that category at 7.2. Bryce is uh, at the bottom of the league at 4.9. Red zone scoring. Well, we know we don't score a lot, but when we do get in the red zone, scoring a touchdown, we score about 60% of the time. Houston, on the other hand, is about 38%. So there you go. Turnover-wise, we talked about Houston not turning the ball over. It it really lies with C.J. Stroud and the ball security. Nine touchdowns to one interception. You could not have asked for a better start for a rookie quarterback. You know, as we look at the, the landscape of the rookie quarterbacks in the league right now, on paper, he is definitely ahead of Bryce Young. And I I teased this out in a few episodes ago, just like the discussion of Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. And as we kind of, because I'm going to get into the C.J. Stroud-Bryce Young discussion, because that's what this game's all about. Coming into the season, really into the draft, I initially had C.J. Stroud as the quarterback for the Panthers, like picking one overall. I was like, he's the guy we're going to get. There was a lot of upside to him, you know, as it relates to his size his durability. I thought he looked really good at the end of the season, you know, as he was in the playoffs going up against some really good competition. It's so for me, that was like, I was like, that's enough, you know, seeing the the game that he had against Georgia. I'm like, this guy is going to be a heck of a quarterback and I have confidence in him. Things wavered and whether it was just kind of tuning into the, the Panthers and what I was hearing, in my own opinion, you know, it was like, oh, Bryce is the guy. And Bryce is the guy. I'm not here to, to flip and switch. And our fan base is just so divided over this with people still wanting CJ to be the guy. I don't know that they'll ever get over it. If you are a Panthers fan, I'm going to tell you go ahead and get over it because things are not going to change. But there's always this, like, hypothetical that I like to toss. Like, if CJ Stroud had been placed in this situation, how much better do you think he would be here and vice versa with Bryce going to Houston? Because that likely would have been the scenario. And for me, I don't know that C.J. Stroud comes in to the Carolina Panthers team that we have today and even wins one game over, you know, for kind of comparing head to head. But I also don't know that Bryce comes in and wins, you know, one or two games for the Texans and has them at where they are. It. It's one of those that like we'll we'll play the hypotheticals, but I'm kind of pushing that aside and like, hey, let's just go ahead and move forward. But we can't really move forward until we talk about the real comparison of these two quarterbacks. Head to head, CJ Stroud is leading in almost every category, and he is head and shoulders above Bryce Young, both in his actual height and stature. <laughs> as well as in production in his stats. That was just a joke. Uh, In terms of completions, 127. I'm not worried about that. Uh, 213 pass attempts. Throwing the ball a lot more than Bryce. In comparison, Bryce has 115 completions to 182 attempts. The one category where Bryce is leading is in completion percentage. We know that is likely driven because of The screen passes, so he's got 63%. But then we get into the real stats. Yards, total yards passing. 
CJ Stroud, 1,660 yards. Like, oh boy. Bryce Young, 967. So it's easy to see why people are comparing them and saying, yeah, Bryce may not be the guy and CJ's that dude. Yards per attempt we talked about. So it's 7.8 for, sorry, for CJ Stroud. And we know it's um, about 4.9 to 5 for Bryce. Touchdowns, nine touchdowns and one interception. For Bryce, it's six touchdowns to four. We know, and you know, when you look at Bryce's stats, we know he played one less game, but even playing one more game, he's not making up a difference of, you know, 600 to 700 passing yards. It's almost 700 more passing yards. Time sacked. So CJ has been sacked 13 times. Bryce has been sacked 16 we see the issues with Bryce holding on to the ball a little bit longer, not stepping up in the pocket, things that I hope will improve. And like like I said, I, going back from week one to now, watching the film, I've seen great improvement in, in Bryce's game. The, there are throws that he makes that not many other quarterbacks in the league can make. And I'm not, I'm not the one just saying that. We're hearing that from around the league, from other analysts that watch film. Like, everyone sees it. It's just a matter of, like, when can we put this whole thing together as a team? The only other place where Bryce has upside or or, or more is in rushing yards, 65 rushing yards, which I don't know that I really want Bryce to be leading that category, but he is right now. So that's your head-to-head comparison. So if you come into this game, headline is... Bryce Young, is he really the quarterback, for, uh, you know, the future of the NFL? C.J. Stroud coming in, day one impact, racking up stats, truly a offensive rookie of the year candidate. And that's where we thought Bryce would be. That's just the truth of the matter. And I can't, like, change any of that. It's what we expected. It's what I expected. Where things can change, though, is with if, and when the Panthers can figure out how to win a game. Because that's where we are right now. We are in the mode of understanding how to win a game. If you had a chance to go back and listen to my podcast or, you know, that I just did today, it was talking through if the Panthers were to hold out, have the number one overall pick, which I know we don't own, and end up having the number 33rd overall pick, like what – is that good? Is that bad? And I kind of made a case that it's obviously not good, but if you think about what you could do with that pick, which is trading back to get more capital, eh, maybe you make a case that's, yeah, it's terrible to be in that situation, but, you know, make lemonade out of uh, out of the lemons that they give you. So here we go. Jumping into the game. We have, like I said, Carolina 0-6, 0-2 in the NFC South. Houston is 3-3, 1-1 in the AFC South, right in the thick of their division. 1 o'clock kickoff on Fox at the good old Bank of America Stadium. At halftime, Julius Peppers and Moussin Muhammad will be inducted into the Panthers Hall of Honor. All-time, the Panthers are 4-2 against the Texans. 1-1 record at home. Panthers won the last matchup against the Texans, 24-9 in 2021. So let's talk about... The Houston Texans. So Texans are coming off a win, like I said, against the New Orleans Saints. They also had their bye, so they've had some time to prepare. It was a 20-13 to win. 
Actually, a really close game. I did go back and watch some of the highlights. What's kind of eye-opening is the Texans and the Saints. So the Texans were outgained by almost 130 yards on offense. So Texans had about 297 total yards. Saints, the New Orleans Saints, put up 430 yards. And they won at the end of the game. There was a game-ending interception that really you know, sealed the deal. So it's like there is opportunity to move the ball. It's converting those into points and then holding on to the ball. When that happened, though, Blake Cashman was the one that pressured Derek Carr as he threw the interception. And it gave Nelson, uh, yeah, to Steve, sorry, cornerback Steven Nelson got that. That was his third interception of the season, and that sealed the deal. C.J. Stroud wasn't great. He wasn't great. He threw for 199 yards, two touchdowns in the win. Really his least productive day. I talked about the one interception that he had. He was only 13 to 27. Not good. 48% passing. So it's like, okay, is he going to have those same things? It's kind of the glitz and glamour of him wearing off a little bit. Is he kind of falling apart? I don't think he is. But, yeah. We've got good old Nico Collins as one of the primary tar- targets for the Houston Texans. And Nico Collins was actually drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Got traded over when I was doing a review of some of the Panthers draft trades a few years ago. I mean, this was like, what, two or three years ago. But he's been a, a true number one target to help CJ in his development. But according to D'Amico Ryans, with CJ, it's the same. It's resiliency. Even though he throws his first interception of his career, and he said, and I mean, I can't say enough about Nico Collins first in the effort, his mindset to go and get the ball back in that situation and resiliency of our offense just to no matter what happened, bad things happen, but you don't let that affect the next play. They went down and drove on them and scored right there. I think that was the turning point. In the game for us and the offense. So when we talk about that high-powered, because I do consider it, it's just not the high-powered Miami Dolphins offense by any means. But hey, they have the 12th most productive offense in the league. 2,084 total yards through six games. Hovering right there around the top five in terms of passing yards. Talked about the touchdown to interception ratio as well as his completion percentage. So Nico Collins is the leading receiver for the Houston Texans. 547 yards on 29 catches. He has three touchdowns. Robert Woods and tight end Dalton Schultz are going to be two to watch who have totaled more than 200 yards on the year. And then Schultz actually has three touchdowns as well. Then we get into some names. Now, this is going back into the vault of vaults. Wide receiver Tank Dell. And if you recall, when I did my mock draft, Tank Dell was one of the wide receivers that popped. I said the Panthers should go after. He is actually doing quite well as a rookie. So he has 324 receiving yards, second on the team. He was in the concussion protocol in week six, so he missed time with the bye. And being out week six, you would anticipate that he's back. So another weapon for C.J. Stroud to get the ball to. The one place where they've, you know, where Houston has struggled 
is in the running game. So running back Damian Pierce has 281 rushing yards, still still more than our Chuba Hubbard or Miles Sanders. He has two touchdowns, and then Devin Singletary has 153 yards. Now talking about the defense, we know D'Amico Ryans has a defense defensive philosophy. That's where he comes from. We talked about holding their opponents to 18.8 points per game. Number eighth in the league, and then 25th in yardage. So it's like they give up a lot of points, but it's that bend, don't break mentality. Here's another name. You know their leading tack- tackler is Henry Toto Toto. And if you recall, guess what? Another rookie. He was a rookie that I also talked about when we went through the draft process. Panthers did not get. Nelson leads the team in interceptions, which I talked about. And then defensive end Jonathan Greenard, three and a half sacks, leads the team. Eight players have forced one fumble. So that's the most by any team. So they're going to get the ball out. And you would expect that from a defensive coach that understands how important these turnovers are. But, hey, guess what? We have a defensive-minded coach running with a rookie quarterback, something that I guess could not have been done here in the Carolinas, which is why we needed this offensive-minded coach and this offensive-minded staff to get us where we wanted to to be. The other one, we have another good rookie. I mean, look at the – I know they're – Picks, they had a lot more capital than us, but rookie defensive end Will Anderson played at Alabama, who was drafted third overall, right behind Stroud. So it's Bryce, Stroud, Will Anderson. He has 24 tackles and eight quarterback hits in his first six NFL games. So there you go. Talking about the game, at 0-6, and I, and I said this coming in, or for those who don't know, over the last like six weeks, when the Panther, I think it was after game two, I basically said, I'll never pick the Panthers to win a game until they win a game. And I'm sitting here like, we have a stretch of games that are winnable, where the Panthers could win. It's I I want to pick the Panthers in this game. I want to pick the Panthers... It just feels like there's too many question marks, and then then again, maybe I'm I'm proven wrong. You know, with the Texans, I'm not trying to give a prediction right now. I'm still trying to think through it. I'll come back to that in a second. But as we get in, there's a lot riding on this. Number one for the Panthers and their entire season, just to get a single win just one win that's it houston on the other hand trying to keep that momentum going vying for a playoff spot vying for their division you've got the ring of honor you've got thomas brown calling plays so you got all these bits and pieces and in my mind if we here's here's how i'm going to phrase it i'm going to give my prediction based on me believing that the team that we saw in the first quarter against the Miami Dolphins is the team that's going to show up and that we are also going to have some key pieces back on the defensive side of the ball. So that's kind of a wishy-washy way of, of giving a prediction, but it's it's the way that I'm going to do it. So I am going to predict that the Panthers finally get their first win of the season. There's too much riding on this. 
And I said that, I felt like I say that with some of the other games, but then when I predicted them to win and then we went on the, at 0-6, like we get, we just, we've got to find a way. And I feel like this is the time to do it. Not even talking about going on a winning streak or anything like that, but I think this is the game. You've had two weeks to get prepared for this. This is a rookie quarterback who, although he's played good, is there and and will make mistakes, and we've got to be able to capitalize on that. So, final score prediction. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers over the Houston Texans. Panthers 27, Houston 21. It's a close game, and it feels weird saying that the Panthers are going to win a game because they haven't won a single game. So, if you're a Houston fan tuning in and you're like, wait a second, how the heck are you going to pick them? I'm not saying that Houston's a bad team, and I don't want you to, you know, think that. I just think there's something about this game that we 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 finally, whatever it is, whether it is Thomas Brown calling the plays or just the things surrounding it, figure out a way to win, close one out, and hear a little bump, bump, bump at Bank of, of America Stadium on Sunday. So there you go. That's your final prediction. Y'all have a good one.